Psalm 64, actually, it says, Let the righteous rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in Him, and let the upright in heart praise Him. You know, these are the people, if you don't know the Lord, you know, I'm not, we're not here to force anybody. I was so tempted, you know, to come up and say something because I really felt like, like it was a burden for us to be worshiping. And, and I don't think that if, if I come up here and I, and I, you know, spur you on to worship, that's, you're doing it for God. I believe that you would be doing it for me. And I just want you to all, if you have your Bible with you, highlight this. Psalm 6410, it says, Let the righteous rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him, and let all the upright in heart praise him. Upright in heart praise him. I praise my God. You know, I the Lord has taken me through some things and I'm not I'm not complaining. I know there's other people that have had some tough life a tough life and I haven't, but I just know personally in my life, my God has set me free from some things I didn't need to to be in. You know, he set me free from some strongholds, from fear, from fear of man. And I praise him. I thank God that, that I can come to him at all times, at all times of day and give him my all. That I can talk to him. I can have a conversation with him and, and rid myself of religion. I praise my God that when I am tired, he gives me the strength. That the minute that I step into his presence and I begin to, to worship him and talk to him, that the joy overcomes me and I just want to dance and I just want to sing a song to him. And not just the songs that are up on this screen, but just sing a song from my heart. And I know that he is with me at all times. I just want you all to be encouraged. We serve the living God. We don't serve a statue. We don't serve a building. We don't serve a man. We serve God. And, and I believe that if we're going to come to church, we should come and give him our all at 100%. Now, if you don't know Jesus, that's a different story. But if you know God, I, I just want you never to forget where he brought you from. You know, there can be a, a point in our lives where we believe that we deserve something. We deserve a break. We deserve, you know, a title. We deserve recognition. Let me tell you something. We are sinners. We are nothing without him. Without him, we're a piece of dirt. We have no purpose in this life. It is him who gives us purpose. It is because of him that we are living a life to the fullest now. And I believe that he deserves all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And if you believe that, say amen. <sighs> Jesus. Jesus. We can turn to a Romans chapter 2. A couple of weeks ago we were studying, we were talking about in our small groups, you know, what happens to the men and women in, in this world that do not hear the gospel and to be honest with you, this is something that when I first got saved, I struggled with because I couldn't understand that such a loving God would send people to hell in eternity for not knowing the gospel, for not understanding the gospel. Innocent people, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure there's many of people in this place who have thought like that, too, who have not understood, you know, how can someone in Africa, someone, you know, or, or Honduras, you know, wherever, um, who has not heard the gospel, how could they possibly be sent to hell and that didn't sit right with me and so um i began to read romans and um man the lord is amazing the word is living and active when you begin to read it and read it and study it not just read it see it's not about quantity it's about quality when you begin to study the word of god it becomes alive and um and it teaches you it's deaf man get into the word i love sum i love learning more you know studying the word of god and and of those of you who are going to sum and just just get ready because god is going to rock you and reveal more to you you know not what you're what you want the word to say but what god wants the word to say so i began to read romans 
we all know, we'll start off in Romans 1. Paul is writing a letter to the Romans, um, to the church in Rome. And in chapter 1, we all know this chapter to be famous for, um, this is the scripture we use when we go out to Belmont and Clark. You know, we talk to people about homosexuality and how it's wrong in the eyes of God. And so in Romans 1, chapter 1, Paul begins to talk to them and begins to rebuke the Gentiles about their ways. He begins to tell them, you know, this is wrong in the eyes of God. You are degrading your bodies, and because of this, God has turned you over into your sin. He says, um, he says in Romans 1, 28, Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to the, a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, insolent, I'm sorry, arrogant, and boastful. Boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. My goodness. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do the very things but also approve of those who practice them. And so here Paul is shining his light upon his brothers and sisters. Now, if I'm going to turn the page, I'm going to go back up to Romans 1. See, Paul is not talking to just random people. He says in Romans 1, 7, to all in Rome who are loved by God. Everybody say loved by God and called to be saints. You know, so he's not talking to just random people. He's talking to the church in Rome. He writes this letter 25 years after he has an encounter with God. And I just think that's a, just a fun fact to know because 25 years prior to that, you know, he was Saul. And, and Saul probably didn't have any idea that he would be um, standing up for the gospel. You know, he was, persecuting, he was persecuting the church, as we all know that. And 25 years later, here he is, and he's so excited. He's so passionate about preaching the gospel to Rome. You know, he says, I've been trying to get to you, but I haven't. I've been kept from going to you. And he, he's so bold. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. In, in Romans 1, he is not ashamed. Come on, this is a man who hated God, and I believe that's such a testimony to those of you who've been praying for people who, who are so far from God. You know, the last thing they, they have to do is kill a Christian. That's how much they hate God. And here's a man, Saul, who God transformed. See, that's the thing we gotta, we got to remember. I always, I always say this. It's not just about us and our ministering to them. It's relying on the power of God and the Holy Spirit to continue to work in their hearts. See, that's what happened. You've got to pray that God will reveal himself to these people, to your family members and to your friends. Because an encounter with God, let me tell you, God will shake you. There's, I'm telling you, when I, when I didn't want to believe in God and I was refusing, there's absolutely nothing that my sister could tell me to get me to believe in God. It was an encounter with God, and God can do that. He still does that today. He never changes. He, can, he is the same today as he was yesterday. Come on. So keep praying. Remain faithful to those prayers, because here is Paul 25 years later, and he's excited about preaching the gospel, and he's shining his light into the lives of his brothers and his sisters, and he's telling them, you need to get right. You need to get right, because this is a holy God that you serve. See, in Romans, you get to know a lot about who God is. In chapter 1, Paul is addressing here the Gentiles. Everybody say Gentiles. Okay? In chapter 2, which is where we're going to focus today, he begins to talk to the Jews. All right? So we're going to start reading. 
Romans 2, 1, it says, You, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass, pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you know, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? Come on, everybody say, God's kindness leads you towards repentance. Man, that's amazing. Come on. So here we go. Paul begins his letter off talking to the Gentiles and beginning to say, this is where you're wrong. You're wrong because of X, Y, and Z. You're dealing with homosexuality. You're dealing with sexual perversion. You are wrong. You need to get right. Is basically what he's telling. In Romans 2, but then he turns to his brothers and sisters, the Jews, and he begins to shine light into their lives. You've got to understand the Jews were a proud people. Number one, they were proud because they had the Mosaic law. They were proud because they had the circumcision, and they had God's favor over their nation. The Jewish people thought God is always going to be with us. But here we go. He begins to say, you know Jesus Christ came. When Jesus Christ came, all those barriers were torn down. And he came for both Jew and for Gentile, for all alike. Amen? So he begins to tell them, you, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Come on. What is he talking about? He's saying the people are doing the exact same thing the Gentiles are doing. Are doing. They're dealing with sexual perversion just like, the, just like the Gentiles, the people who didn't even have the law, who didn't have the privileges that the, that the Jews had. You understand what I'm saying? So he begins to say, who are you? See, it's okay to, to shine our light into people's lives. I, I, I ask you to shine your light into people's lives. But when you yourself are dealing with the same thing, when you yourself are, are, are dealing with sexual perversion, when you're dealing with lying, when you're dealing with gossiping and, and grudges and bitterness, who are you to shine your light into other people's lives? Uh, who are you to start condemning others? If we turn to Matthew 7, 1, which I want all of us to turn to, Jesus talks about judging others. He says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Come on now. It's all right to judge, but when you yourself are dealing with the same kind of sin, with the same kind of stronghold in your life, who are you to condemn somebody else? Come on now, I'm sure you've met somebody like that, dealing with all types of sin, you know, messed up and thinking, well, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. In order for the world not to know what I'm doing, I'm going to start talking about so-and-so. I'm going to talk about Joe Schmo down the street. 
You know what I'm saying? It's gossip. It's slander. When you yourself are not right with God, it's time for you to get down on your knees to repent before the king. Before you think that you can be a teacher, that you can lead others onto the right path, I recommend you get down on your knees, be broken before the king, and ask for forgiveness. Let's keep reading. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. See, our judgment is based on mere appearance. Amen? When we judge people, we judge them according to what they look like, to what we hear with our own ears, what we see with our own eyes, what we feel in our heart, whether we like that person or not. But God's judgment is based on truth. He does not look at mere appearance. He looks into our heart. Come on, everybody say, He looks into our heart. He created us. He, create, he knows you more than you know yourself, and you all know that. He knows your inmost being. Who are we to think that, that we, will, we, will, we will not fall into his judgment? Who are we to think that we are to, we're going to fool him? We cannot fool God. We cannot fool God. It is God's kindness that leads us towards repentance. I think that's beautiful. I've heard that said so many times before, but it's his kindness. See, the Jews were upset. says here, where, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, his tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? The Jews did, could not understand, could not conceive the fact that because Jesus Christ came, he came for, all, for every single person. They did not understand the idea of repentance. It's God's love. Is that his God's kindness? that leads us towards repentance. He doesn't push us. He doesn't force it upon us. He he doesn't yell and scream at us until we do it. He leads us. He leads you. He gives you an opportunity to come into repentance. That's love. To give you a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. God wants each and every person in this room to come to repentance. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care, you know, if you accepted Jesus Christ today, a minute ago, 15 years ago. Jesus Christ wants you to come into repentance. His kindness is still there. As we said before, he doesn't want any one of us to perish. He wants us all to come into his inheritance. He wants us to enter his rest one day. It's his kindness. Everybody close your eyes and think it's his kindness that leads me towards repentance. His kindness. His kindness that leads us towards repentance. It's not because he he needs our, our worship. It's not because he needs us to work for him. He needs us to be the pastors. He needs us to, to drive the car. It's not because of that. He didn't save you for, for all of that. He saved you because he loves you. He saved you because he's kind. He's patient. He's tolerant. Now open up your eyes. We're going to keep reading. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up a wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will give to each person according to what he has done. To those who by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. But for those who are self-seeking, who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath 
and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus, for that. It says first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Why does it say that? First for the Jew because the Jew had the law. The Jew had the revelation of who God is. The Jew knew the law of God. So first for the Jew, if he is wrong and if he's messed up with God, if he's living in sin, he will receive God's wrath. But if the Jew who held on to God's love, who held on to God's laws, his commandments, his statutes, if he held on to them, He will receive eternal life. He will receive the glory, the honor. Come on. But he will receive the wrath. It is those who know the law, who know God's commandments, what he wants you to do, who will receive his wrath first. It says says you are storing up a wrath. Come on. In King James Version, it says there is a treasure of wrath. You have a treasure of wrath that you keep pouring into that wrath that can only be spent in one place, and that is eternity. It is a treasure. Those who reject evil reject God. Those who reject evil reject the Spirit of God. Jesus wants all of us to come to repentance. We're going to turn to James 1, 22. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Everybody say, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing this, he will be blessed in what he does. There's so many people in this world who know the law, who know that God is calling them for for a relationship, my goodness, who know the truth, that there's a gift of salvation. They've heard it. It says, do not merely listen to the law. Do not merely, what does it say? Do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourself. Come on, there's so many people in this world who are deceived, who believe that just by going to church, they're okay. But come on, those people are rejecting the truth by just listening to it. They're they're rejecting it by not doing it. Then they're storing up a wrath for themselves. That, That makes me so sad. That brings a pain. That should bring a pain within our soul to know and understand that people are rejecting the truth. They're listening to the word. They know the word of God. But they do not do what it says. Come on, Jared. How many people have you met in Wicker Park, Bellman and Clark, that are theologians? They know the word of God, but yet reject it. How many people do you know like that? How many people are in this room like that? It is his kindness that leads you to repentance. Those who refuse to be a servant of God will be slaves of unrighteousness. Paul speaks of wrath, anger, trouble, and distress. These are the wages of sin. This is the price that we pay when we choose sin. In this world, we choose, what do we choose? We choose trouble 
anger, distress, and wrath is what we're choosing. Now, my brothers and sisters who are in this room who say, I'm living for God and and I'm giving it all I can and I don't know what you're talking about, Griselda, because I do what the Word says, you know, glory. I'm so happy for you. But I think it's time that we get in ourselves some boldness like Paul and we begin to, to shine our light into the places of darkness. If you know a brother or a sister who is not right with God, that you begin to tell them like it is, there is a God and he's kind right now and he's leading you unto repentance and he's using me to shine this light into your life. It's time that we begin to, to get some boldness in us. We talked about the Spirit of God last week. We talked about how he equips us. But like we said, you can know the word, you can know the truth, but unless you believe it and you do it and you act upon it, it means absolutely nothing. It is his kindness that leads us to repentance. I like saying that. I really do. Let's keep reading. God does not show favoritism. If we turn to, I believe it's 1 Samuel. Let me see what it is. 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, this is when Samuel was going to pick who was going to be king. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at these, the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outer appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looking at our hearts. See, we think that we can avoid God's righteous judgment, that we can fool the world around us. And, and you know what? By, by shouting out and saying, you know, so-and-so is in sin, and this person needs to get right with God. And, and you know what? Um, I heard this person was talking about, you know, was gossiping, you know, like we need to check that person or whatever. We think that we can fool the people around us by causing a distraction when in reality we are all messed up on the inside. We can fool the people around us, but we cannot fool the one and only living God who created us. See, he is not looking at outer appearance. When you can come into this place, you can wake up and you can spend time with your family and you can look all nice and cute and you can act like a Christian, talk like a Christian, but you're not walking like a Christian. You can fool everyone around you, but the living God. I pray that the holy fear comes into this place. The holy fear comes upon me right now. Because this walk is not for your neighbor. This walk is for God. Because one day you will stand before him and your neighbor to your left and your neighbor to your right will not be there. Jesus. It is his kindness that leads us to what? To repentance. Let's keep reading. All who sin apart from the law will also perish. Apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when the Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even even though they do not have the law, since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Their consciences also bearing witness, their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. This will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets. Everybody say, God will judge men's secrets. Through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. 
God will judge men's secrets. Come on. God will judge secret services that we've done, and they will be rewarded. Isn't that great? I think that's awesome. He will judge secret sins that we've had in our lives, and they will be punished. Hidden things will be brought into light. God will judge men's secrets. Because of sin in our lives, many people are being led astray. There come this day when God will judge our secrets. No, nobody can hide. Nobody can run. And on this day when he judges us according to our works, according to the things that we've said, every action that we've committed, because you were not right, you led other people astray. God forbid if I'm not right and I lead people astray, that puts the fear of God in me. Every leader in this place, I'm talking to leaders today. I'm talking to pastors, to missionaries today. I'm talking to worship leaders today. I'm talking to every person in this room who has a call of God. And I believe every person in this room has been called by God. Let's keep reading. It says, now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law, excuse me, guys, and brag about your relationship to God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, and an instructor for the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, Jesus. If you're not a Christian, don't call yourself a Christian. People are led astray. The Gentiles were led astray because of the Jews' actions. The ones who knew God, who had favor over God, who had the revelation of the law. They led people astray. They're the ones who led them astray, and now here they are trying to correct them. Here they are thinking they're, they're more than them, they're better than them, that they don't deserve God's uh, kindness. But they're the ones who led people astray. This is a warning for every person in this room. If you know the law, do what it says. Do not merely listen to it. We need to be doers of the word. We need to receive the word of God. We need to apply it into our lives. I believe this message was for today. I believe that we need to hear this. Every person in this room, do not think that God owes you anything. God does not owe us a thing. He did so much for us when he died on that cross. He does not owe us a thing. And not only did he die on that cross, then he sent the Holy Spirit. Not only did he send the Holy Spirit, but he gave us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Not only does he give us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, but he lavishes us with his grace. He loves us unconditionally, and all he wants to do is lead us to repentance, to be a light into this world, to be pure and holy before him. It's our choice. It's not that hard. Like Pastor Joe was talking this morning. We make the devil out to be so big and God so small. And we, we walk around so defeated. We serve the living God. The same power that was in Christ Jesus when he rose from the dead is in us. 
Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you, O oh God. We love you, O oh God. And I know that you love every person in this room, Father God. But I pray, dear God, that this was a warning for someone. Father God, I pray that we would be right before your eyes, my King. That we would allow you to work in us, to cleanse us, to wash us, to sanctify us, my King. If y'all can just get to your, to your feet and join me, we're going to keep praying. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to break out. But, and we can talk about this in our small group. Hallelujah, Holy Spirit. I pray, Father God, that you will hold back your wrath. I pray, Father God, that you would have mercy on our souls, O oh God, that your kindness would not run out, O oh Lord, that you would continuously lead us to repentance, my King. Oh, we love you, my God. Oh, we need you. We understand that we are nothing without you, my King, and that you are everything, Lord. That we deserve nothing, O oh God, whether we are Jews or Gentiles, Father God, whether we are Puerto Rican, Father God, or Polish, or whatever, dear God. We are nothing without you, Lord. Whether we are pastors, Lord, or worshipers, Father God, whether we are apostles, evangelists, my God, we are nothing without you. You give us the purpose in this life, oh God. You give us our purpose, Lord. I pray right now, as I pray that you would, you would search your heart. As the Lord is searching your heart, as the Lord's been searching in your heart, that you would search your own heart and say, Lord, uproot it. Lord, take it out of my life. I don't want to lead people away. I don't want to lead them unto the wrong path, but I want to lead them unto you. I want to be a pure and a holy vessel before your eyes, my God. I want my lips to praise you at all times. My mind to think about you at all times. My heart to desire you at all times. My feet to go where you want them to go. Jesus, hallelujah. Jesus. Come on, Leilani. Find a song, any song that you want to sing. And we're just going to worship God and we're going to repent before the King God. We want more of you. Lord, there is nothing more that I can say. I just ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would convict in this place. I ask that you would wash in this place, O oh God. I ask, dear God, that people will be snatched from the flames today, O oh God. That they will just reach out unto you, Father God, to grab onto you. Your word says, submit yourselves unto me. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Hallelujah, Father God. Your word says, come near to me and I will come near to you. Come on, everybody. Come near to him tonight and he will come near to you. You don't have to beg. Come on. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Father God, that our flesh would die, O oh King. Come on. Our flesh would die in this place. That we will yield to you. Your perfect plan, your perfect will in our lives. Your word says you do not show favoritism. Father God, you can use any person in this place, oh God, who desires to be used. You search our hearts, Father God. Continue to search us. Continue to search, dear God. Oh, what a beautiful thing that we serve a God who cares about us. Jesus,
there's anyone in this place who needs to accept Jesus Christ into their life, I just ask you to come up to the front. Just make a statement. Be bold. Let the Lord touch you tonight. If you want to receive Him, if you want to enter into a beautiful relationship with Him, I invite you to come up to these altars. Altars are a place of sacrifice. You can come up here and sacrifice your life and say, God, I am yours. Let my life be pleasing unto you, Jesus.
this passage to be an encouragement to everybody who is struggling, everyone who is who is feeling weak at this moment in their walk with God. It's in Hebrews 4, 14. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one that has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. It's one of my favorite scriptures. And then it says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hallelujah, Senor. We thank you, Father God, right now for the throne of grace, Lord. We approach you with confidence tonight, Father God, and we receive forgiveness, oh God. We receive, Father God, your forgiveness, dear God. We receive your kindness that leads us to repentance, oh God. I thank you, my God, that you are able to sympathize with us, oh Lord. I thank you, dear God, that you shine light today, Father God, that you convicted today, Lord. I ask, dear God, that from this day forward we will stand firm, Father God, in your word, that we will trust in you, O God. We will trust when you said no weapon formed against us will prosper, dear God, so that next time we are tempted, Father God, we will stand firm, dear God. We will stand firm. We will grab a hold of you, Father God. We will turn to the devil and we will rebuke him, dear God. And no one understand that we are your sons and your daughters, Father God, who are called for something greater. We are called to live a pure and a holy life. We are called to be strangers into this world. Hallelujah, Senor. I ask for strengthening, dear God, in this place. Father God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would convict in this place. It would lead us into the right path, Father God, that leads to you and only you. We thank you for who you are, my God. We thank you for your unconditional love. We thank you for your unconditional love in this place. We thank you for your unconditional love in this place. Hallelujah, Senor. But you don't love like we love, my King. Jesus, we receive the forgiveness today, O oh Lord. We thank you for who you are, Father God, and we ask you all of this in the name of the Most High, in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And everybody said, and everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah, Lord. Be glorified tonight, my King. Be glorified through our lives. We give you all the praise and honor tonight, Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way in the small group, in the breakout groups. Continue to shine, O oh Lord, through us. Thank you, Jesus.